promise that you said where two or three are gathered there in your name, that you would be in the midst. And God, we are uh, privileged and God, we are honored to be in your midst. And God, I pray that you would uh, speak to each and every heart. And God, I pray that uh, as we hear uh, the word of God, Father, that your spirit would just speak and move in hearts and encourage and strengthen believers. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As before we, I want to pray before we get into this because last week, I believe it was last week, we were going over the rulers, and when I started looking at my verses this week, I realized that one of the verses I had put into the category that we're going to cover tonight, and that is standing on the promises, and it's verse number 23, and it does not go with the set of verses for tonight. It went with the set of verses for last week, and, uh, and it's the only one, so I couldn't do anything with it other than I feel like I should at least give you a little bit of it, uh, briefly cover the verse tonight so that we do not skip over it, but Proverbs 28, verse number 23, I think it deals with uh, the, the, as we talked about last week, we dealt with uh, our relationship and righteousness and how it has an effect on other people. And it says here in verse number 23, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with, with the tongue. And, uh, and so I, I want to cover that. I feel like it's important. I don't, I don't want to overlook that verse, and uh, it really does not fit with the set of verses that we're going to look at tonight. But nonetheless, I believe we'll tag it on from last week, and, uh, uh, and uh, I think it'll be helpful. Uh, so as we look at this verse, I want us to understand this, that uh, the Bible's pretty clear. This verse is pretty cut and dry. It says, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Uh, rebuke is not always enjoyable. Matter of fact, um, usually it is not enjoyable for the person giving the rebuke, nor is it enjoyable for the person receiving the rebuke many times. And, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't think most people don't enjoy rebuking somebody else. Now, what is rebuke? Rebuke is not uh, a tongue lashing, okay? Um, sometimes, some, sometimes when somebody uh, angers you or gets you frustrated, it's easy to uh, give them a tongue lashing. That's not a rebuke. That is just, uh, that's just letting the tongue and the mind have its way, okay? That's not necessarily rebuke. Rebuke is this, a direct and pointed reproof, a reprimand, or chastisement. And, uh, and so uh, it's the goal and the idea behind a rebuke is to correct the person uh, that, is, that is wrong in whatever area they are wrong in. And so that's different from just uh, letting somebody have it. When they, when they cut you off and you're driving down the road and you get mad at them, why that idiot, why did he do that? You know, that's a tongue lashing, all right? That's not rebuke. You're not correcting that fella. Uh, correcting him would be take him to side. Um, which you can't do. I mean, you don't, don't do this on the road, okay? Uh, but uh, you take them aside and you say, now listen, the, the proper way to drive is check your mirror before you merge over into another lane. You almost hit me, all right? And I don't want you to hit somebody else. That would be rebuke. Uh, but if you simply name call him that is, uh, or call him a bunch of names and, and tell him how dumb he is, that's not rebuke. That is just revenge, all right? That's getting your feelings uh, taken care of. And so the Bible here tells us the idea... 
that uh, he that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor. And so rebuke is uh, when it's, it's not enjoyable necessarily for the person that is even giving the rebuke. And it's not enjoyable for the person that receives the rebuke. But when it's done properly, uh, it, it will reap rewards. Um, the Bible says, go with me in Proverbs chapter 9, back just a couple of chapters. And I, I feel like this is very relevant and helpful for us. Proverbs 9, 7, the Bible says this. Proverbs 9, 7, he that reproveth, and that would be rebuke, reproveth, rebuke, or reprimand, uh, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Um, and so we need to also be cautious about who we rebuke. There are some people uh, that you will try to help and rebuke, rebuke in the way of you want to see them corrected. But some people uh, simply will not receive it. A scorner is somebody who mocks uh, things that are right, who says, hey, I'm not going to do right. I don't want to do right. They would make fun of that. A wicked man is somebody uh, that, that says, hey, I'm not going to do right. I don't, I don't care what God's word says. I'm not interested in living right. And so uh, these kind of people will not receive reproof. And uh, as the Bible says, you rebuke a wicked man, getteth himself a blot. Um, and, and I think, well, what does that mean? You might get a black eye, all right? That might be the blot that you get. I don't know. Uh, but it, it's not going to help anything. And, uh, but it says at the end of there, uh, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. In other words, he'll see, A, I was wrong. B, this guy isn't just giving me a tongue lashing. This guy is trying to help my life. And correct the direction uh, that I am going. And so a wise man will pick up on that and he will appreciate uh, what is being done. And that goes really hand in hand with our verse in Proverbs 28 and verse 23. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. In other words... Uh, so often today, it seems like uh, everyone's, a lot of people rather, and a lot of parents, and a lot of uh, uh, teaching, and a lot of things uh, point to, po they call it positive reinforcement. And, and I'm not against positive reinforcement. I think you need to be positive. I think you need to praise people on occasion. I think you need to tell people when they've done good and, and appreciate a, a job that is well done. Uh, but, but they have kind of uh, nixed away all reprimand and only want positive reinforcement. Well, that was good. You did a good job. And only tell people when they've done good. But the Bible tells us, hey, there is a time for reproof. There is a time for rebuke. There is a room and, and reason for reproof reprimand and it needs to be done at a right time and in a right method and if it's done uh, I think that flattery uh, obviously that's not necessarily positive reinforcement a lot of times flattereth with the tongue is just uh, giving somebody a bunch of compliments that are not necessarily true and uh, and that's flattery uh, but but he says listen rebuke is better and is more rewarding than flattery and, uh, and so if it's done with the right spirit and it's done in the right manner, then, uh, and it's done to the right person, 
Uh, because listen, a, a scorner is not going to hear it. A wicked person is not going to hear it. And a, a fool is certainly not going to respond to rebuke. But uh, a wise man will. And he will, he will hear. And uh, listen, oftentimes, preaching is a form of rebuke. And, uh, and I can say sometimes, listen, it's not, it's not always fun to rebuke people. Uh, Paul told Timothy this. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 2, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And so uh, understand that, hey, sometimes preachers, it's their job to, uh, to correct certain behaviors. And that's not always enjoyable, uh, but it's certainly... God ordained and, and what God has asked us to do. Not only that, not just for preachers, but listen, uh, the Bible says here in verse 23, as we've said, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with a tongue. And, uh, and so it's necessary in a lot of places. I believe it's necessary in child rearing. Um, it's necessary to rebuke a child and correct the problem. And again, this is to be done for their best interest uh, and not because you become frustrated. It's different than, uh, than a tongue lashing. And so uh, I think that verse is clear, and I think it's important that we do understand uh, that idea. And, and that would go with um, our righteousness and how it would affect other people because we would uh, be able to rebuke other people and help them in their life. All right. So that's, that's kind of the idea there with that verse and the... Uh, righteousness and the effect it has on other people. Now tonight I want to look at a whole nother uh, subject and that is standing on the promises. That would be sticking to the things that God has given us and sticking to the word of God. Uh, and sometimes people think, well, when somebody walks away from the word of God and when somebody walks away from Christianity, uh, many times we think, well, that's sad and it is sad. But I want to say this, it's more than just sad, it is detrimental to their spiritual life. And these verses really bring that out and display uh, what takes place when somebody shuts God off in their life for all practical practical purposes and does not desire uh, any more input or any more correspondence from God. Look with me in Proverbs 28, verse number 4. The Bible says, they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Now I want to say this up front. The word law is used several times throughout this, uh, these verses that we're going to look at. And what is the law that it is referring to? Oftentimes in the Bible, uh, you'll find the word law, especially in the Old Testament. And they'll refer to it as the law. The law oftentimes will refer to the first five books of the Bible. But many times in their life, if you, if you go back to the time and point at which they say the law, they are saying, uh, listen, that's all the Bible they they had was the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what they had was the completed Word of God. Many of them did not have the, uh, the, the Psalms and Proverbs. This was written in Proverbs. So they didn't have the completed Proverbs. They didn't have all the prophets uh, of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and, and all the minor prophets. They didn't have none of the New Testament uh, in their lifetime. So many times when they say the word law, they are referring to uh, what we would refer to as the Word of God or the Bible. 
And not specifically just the law. Understand that. Uh, because that's all they had. So they were referring to the entirety of the Word of God. And so I'm going to equate these, uh, whenever it says law in these verses, to the entirety of the Word of God. And look again with me at what it says. The Bible says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked. As we think about this, uh, we're thinking about his path. Uh, that's the first thing that is affected. When somebody walks away from the Word of God, and when somebody says, hey, I, I don't want to hear from God, that's what it says there in verse number 4. They that forsake the law, that would be turning their back on the Word of God. Much like Peter did when he, uh, when he said, I go a-fishing. Remember when he denied the Lord? Uh, not only when he denied the Lord, but after the Lord was uh, buried, and, and, and he said, well, I go a-fishing. He said, I, I'm going back to my old life. That's what he was saying. I'm going to return to how things were. And, uh, and he was walking away from it. And, and listen, the Bible says, uh, or God says rather, that there are only two sides to this coin. Sometimes we want to think, well, there's, you know, there's a third, there's an impartial group of people. No, the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus said this in John chapter number uh, 8 and verse number 38. He said this, I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. He was very pointed. He basically said, listen, there's only two families, buddy, that exist in this, in this entire universe. There's God's family and there's the devil's family. And he goes on and he says it. And you could imagine why he wasn't very popular then after that with the, uh, with the Pharisees. He said this in, in John 8, 44, ye are of your father, the devil. I bet that didn't go over well with them. No wonder they wanted to kill him afterwards because he was very pointed. And what he said was true. He said, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And he's very clear that there are only two families. There is the family of God and those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And then there's the, the family of the devil. And that's what he was saying. And, and as we look at this in verse number four, he says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked. Yikes. That's pretty serious. But it says what it says. I can't change what it says. Uh, forsaking the, the law of God is, is like cheering on the devil's crowd. That's what the Word of God says. You ever seen the clip? Maybe you've seen it in person. Maybe you were that kid. Don't raise your hand if you were that kid. You ever seen the clip of the kid uh, who, who uh, playing sports and, and he gets confused and he gets the ball. Doesn't matter what sport it is. He gets the ball and, uh, and he takes off the wrong direction. And to make matters worse, he scores a point for the other team. And everyone's like... Are you kidding me? Why did you go that way? You know, maybe he throws the basket in the wrong basket. It runs a touchdown in the wrong direction. Or in soccer, scores the, the, the point for the other team, you know. And, 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 and totally is, you're like, man, uh, the other team's best player was Johnny on our team or whatever his name was, you know. And, and you're all, all mad at him. Listen, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And that's exactly what the Word of God is saying. When you turn your back on the law of God, when you turn your back on the Word of God, uh, basically you are cheering and you become the enemy's best player. 
And that's what he's saying. Because forsaking the law of God, it's that path that you're leaving and, and it becomes a path uh, that's not right. And, it, and it's praising, the Bible says in this verse, praise the wicked. That's what they're doing. But then the, he goes on and he says, but such as keep the law, contend with them. And I want to encourage you tonight. Listen, we have something to stand for. We have something to stand on. Standing on the promises. Listen, stand for uh, the Word of God. Stand for the truth that is written in the Word of God. We have something to stand for and something to stand on because God has given us the truths in the Word of God. And I'm not interested in playing for the other team. I'm not interested in, if we're using the sports analogy, of being on the court and being lackadaisical about how we play the game. I want to play to the very best of of my ability for God's sake. I want to play on God's team and I want us to be the best that we can be for His honor and for His glory. And listen, that means that we're going to have to stand on the Word of God. The Bible says in Jude 3, uh, Beloved, when I, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I tell you tonight, listen, we have something worth contending for. There's a lot of people that are pushing back the other way. Listen, there are a lot of Christians that are pushing back the other way. And I'm telling you, we have something to contend for. Because the Bible says here in Proverbs 28, verse number 4, uh, but as such as keep the law, contend with them. In other words, hey, they're fighting to stand for something. It's not only other people, but I'm telling you the entire world is pushing in the opposite direction as we are going. And we are swimming upstream, if I can say it that way. And we are going against the current and against the trends because we're standing on the promises that God has given us. And the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 28, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. There's something that, that I, I, it just bothers me. It doesn't set well with me. When I see churches that are running headlong towards the world, listen, we're to be swimming upstream. Hey, we're to be contending for the truth of the Word of God. We're not contending, and we're not just trying to swim upstream for swimming upstream's sake. We're swimming upstream because we're standing for the Word of God. And we're standing for the truth that God has given us in His Word. And so we don't need to be contrary just to be for, for contrary's sake, but we need to stand on the Word of God. And we need to stand for the truths that are in the Word of God. The verse says again, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. And listen, their path is going to veer to the side when they stop swimming upstream, when they stop contending for the faith, and when they uh, stop standing for the truth, and when they shut God out of their life, certainly their path is going to take a, a total different direction than what it should be. So his path is changed if he stops standing on, on the word of God. Look with me at verse number seven. The Bible says, whoso keepeth the law is a wise son 
But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Not only is his path changed uh, if he stops standing on the word of God and standing for the things of God, but I want you to notice that his personal relationships are also affected. His personal relationships. Uh, you notice in this verse, the contrast in this verse is not in the action that is done. Oftentimes in the Proverbs, when they, when they give a contrast, and he says, well, take, go back to verse number four, and we'll, we'll look at that contrast. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. In other words, the action is what's contrary, because then he goes on and he says in the second part, but such as keep the law. So the two actions are contrary. Those who forsake the law, that is an action, and those who keep the law and stand with the word of God. But in verse number uh, seven, as we look at it, it's not the action that is, uh, that is, that is contrary, that he's comparing, but rather the feeling uh, of the parents. Look again with me at verse seven. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son. Maybe I shouldn't say feelings of the parents, but rather the standing of the son. And so he's a wise son. But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. You see the relationship there that is affected. And it is a personal relationship with his parents. I want you to notice the proud parents in the first part. Listen, every normal parent wants the best for their child. They do. I mean, uh, setting, I know there's exceptions for every rule. I get that. And I know there's some crazy wild people out there. I get that. I understand that. But by and large, the normal people, uh, the average people and the average parents, they want what's best for their children. And they're going, to, they're going to drive towards that. And the Bible gives us here the recipe. The Bible says, whoso keepeth the law. And again, that is referring to the word of God. Uh, and he says, whosoever keepeth the law is a wise son. And listen, may we be challenged tonight to be wise. Wise is not necessarily intelligent. You, you see that? Uh, you don't, sometimes we equate wise as, wow, he's a really smart guy. Listen, the Bible simplifies it and says, listen, if you're obedient to the word of God, you're a wise person. You don't have to have a super intelligent brain. You don't have to have the ability to memorize and reason and deduce all of those things. You just have to have a simple obedience to the Word of God to be classified as a wise person. Oh, how simple it is in the Word of God that we can be wise simply by obeying the Word of God. He says there, whoso keepeth the law, again, the Word of God, is a wise son. You know, you know why I believe Daniel was so greatly used of God? The Bible says in Daniel 1.8, you remember that he was, he was taken from his parents as a slave. And he was uh, placed in a, in a place and, and, and he, he was fed food. And you know what he said? Daniel purposed, the Bible says in Daniel 1.8, in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm glad that I'm not a Jew. Amen. I enjoy ham. I enjoy bacon. Uh, I enjoy the pork products. Uh, and, and, and I enjoy a cheeseburger. You shouldn't have a cheeseburger if you're uh, a kosher Jew following the Old Testament law. But I'm glad we're not. But, but for Daniel, his, that was his life. He was a Jew. 
And, and he had, uh, of course, just the first five books of, uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, and all he knew was, hey, listen, that there are dietary restrictions that I am not to eat uh, pork and bacon and this and that. And, and he knew them. And as a young person, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In other words, hey, listen, if this is what God has given to me, and if this is the command that God has given to me, in childlike faith, I'm going to open obey what God has given me, and I'm not going to mess up my life with anything else. Now, his parents weren't there. His pastor wasn't there. His Old Testament priest wasn't there. And I promise you, his Sunday school teacher wasn't there watching him and telling him, now, Daniel, make sure you do right. But Daniel decided in his own life, I'm going to do right. And you know what? You read through the book of Daniel. Daniel was the wisest man in the land. Why? Because he said, you know what? In simple childlike faith, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to follow God. And the Bible says here, whoso keepeth the law is a wise son and proud parents uh, are proud of their children that are wise and then penitent parents. Look with me at the second part of that verse. But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Don't confuse riotous with righteous. All right. They're two Totally different words that are totally separate. And so a riotous person is obviously somebody who, uh, who lives uh, in the world. The Bible says in the, in the uh, Gospel of Luke 15, talking about the prodigal son, the Bible says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You know what he was? He was a companion to riotous people. And you know what happened in the end? He brought his father to shame. It was a shame on the family's name. It was a shame on the family that he would, uh, that he would live in such a way. And, and, and listen, uh, it, was, it was a sad day. Now his dad still loved him. We learned that in, the, in that story. We learned that in that, uh, that, that the gospel uh, that's given there in Luke 15. And we see that the father is forgiving. But nonetheless, uh, listen, we find that true. That, hey, riotous living is shameful. We find the personal relationships can be affected by standing for the truth or going contrary to the truth. Look with me at verse number 9. The Bible says in verse number 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Not only is his uh, path affected in his personal relationship, but I want you to notice his prayers are affected. This is more than just about listening. In verse number 9, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. That would be uh, somebody that wants to shut off God. And doesn't want to hear any longer from God. Uh, in Peru, we worked in, in Afada. It was a deaf children's home and it was a deaf school. And, and, uh, and, and it, was, uh, it was quite a lot of uh, things. But one of the things that, that impacted me, I had never worked with the deaf uh, like I did there. And, and I was just thrown into it there. I mean, it was, it was a lot of uh, interesting things. But one of, one of the things is the teachers would have classes during the day and and, uh, and occasionally they'd have a break and they'd send the kids out. And um, the kids would go outside and they'd play and it was kind of a, uh, a big area. And, and uh, after a while, uh, the teacher would step outside and, and, and she would call them in. Now, you know, 
If you're calling deaf people, you don't say, hey, kids, it's time to come in. Okay, that's not going to work. So you know what they do? They would step outside and they'd go like this. This is how you get deaf people's attention, especially if they're scattered around. And then she'd go like this and, and call them in. And they all knew that came in. Well, one boy, if he ever saw the teacher step out of that door, you know what he would do? Devious little boy he was. Turn away. He wouldn't look. Because if he could not see the teacher doing this, and if he could not see the teacher doing this, he didn't know that she was calling him. Because he can't hear anything. She could call all day, but as long as he wasn't looking in her direction, in his mind he was fine. But he knew he was shutting off the teacher. He knew he was not listening. And he knew he was supposed to be listening. And every time, they'd have to send somebody out and, and grab him and turn him around and say, look, you need to watch. And the teacher's saying, come, and you need to go. And, uh, and that little boy, every time, somebody had, he, he got an extra five-minute break every time because somebody would have to go out and chase him down and, and, and turn him around and point him to the classroom and send him back in. And, uh, and he was, what was he doing? He was, turning off, uh, he was turning off the teacher. That's what he was doing. By the way, this is one of the jokes they would tell at Afada. Uh, you know how this has nothing to do with the message, but uh, it's funny. And uh, you know how you stop an argument between two deaf people? You shut off lights. <laughs> you can't see each other, you can't argue. And, uh, and so <laughs> it has nothing to do with the message. But, uh, but, but that little boy was shutting off God, or shutting off the teacher, and not, he knew that she was trying to get his attention. He knew that break was going to be over, but he did not want to hear that, and he did not want to know that, so he purposefully ignored the teacher and shut off and turned away so that he would not see uh, what she was trying to say and call them all in. The Bible says in verse number 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. It's sad. There's nothing sadder than hearing somebody call out to God and know God's not listening. Could you imagine? The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. Save your spot there in Proverbs 28 as we have one more verse that we'll cover really quick. But go back to Proverbs chapter number 1. And we covered this a long time ago, but it's a very, very uh, accurate verses that fit right in and fold into this, this proverb and in verse 9 of 28, the Bible says in Proverbs 1, in verse number 24, Because I have called, and, you ref and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and when your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. They that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my Reproof. Those are strong verses. But I didn't write them. God did. And they're very clear. 
And the Bible is clear. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. And I'm just simply saying, listen, your prayers are affected when you run away from God, when you turn off God in your life, when, when you stop answering his cell phone calls, when you don't respond to his text message, when you don't reply to his emails, and you shut off God in your life, and he's trying to contact you, and he's trying to get in touch with you, and he's trying to call you back in, and he wants to help you. And he says, don't be surprised when I don't listen to your prayer. Because listen, you didn't follow God's word. And I'm just saying the Bible's pretty clear in Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. His prayers will be affected. His path will be affected. His, his personal relationships. Look with me in verse number 14. Lastly, and we won't spend any time here, but, I, but I, I want to get it out. The Bible says here, Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Not a difficult verse, but I believe it has a lot to do with standing on the promises. And it has to do with his perspective. You notice the first two, uh, two ideas in that verse. The Bible says happy. That would be joyful. That would be uh, having gladness in your life. And it says happy is the man that feareth always. Doesn't that seem like an odd set of words to put together? Happy and fear. Those aren't two words you would generally put in the same sentence as the same emotion and having the same idea. But yet the idea is there that happy is the man that feareth always. I believe that feareth has to refer to God. Not fearing circumstances, not fearing life, not fearing uh, problems, not fearing uh, all the things that would be in life, but rather fearing God. And they're two emotional words that really don't go together. But when you fear the Lord, listen, hey, when you're fearing God's word and you're fearing God's law and you're saying, you know what? I want to obey God's word because that'll make me wise. That's a, that's a fear. That is a respect and an awe to the word of God. And it says, happy is that man that feareth alway. That would be somebody who is constant and consistent about following the word of God in their life. And it goes on, it says, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Hard-hearted. We talked about that a while back. I gave the illustration of Pharaoh in Egypt. You remember when his heart was hardened and the Bible says that God sent problem after problem into the land of of Pharaoh or into Egypt land and and it was uh, God was obviously working on some things there but uh, the, the illustration is very clear that listen if you harden your heart mischief's heading your way problems are heading your way and it very well could be the judgment of God. Listen, be, be tender-hearted towards God. Fear the Lord always. That's not to say we won't mess up. We'll, we'll mess up. But listen, when God corrects you, get it right. Say, God, help me to get it right. Help me to live right. You, you and I know we can be hard-headed. I can be hard-headed. We can be stubborn. Listen, don't be stubborn towards God. Always be sensitive towards God and say, God, help me to live right and to follow your word. And listen, our perspective, that would be like our attitude and our happiness will be there 
when we follow God with our life. His path was changed, his personal relationships, his um, perspective, and his prayers were affected. Listen, stand on the Word of God, stand for truth, and we'll have all of that headed in the right direction. We'll be able to serve the Lord with gladness. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your word. God, so very clear. And God, so, so many times, so very difficult to follow because of our stubborn flesh. Sometimes our stubborn will. God, I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to you. Help us to keep our feet on the right path. Help us to keep our personal relationships right by following your word. Help us to keep our perspective right and our prayers being heard and answered, God, because we maintain a right relationship with you and we love your law. God, your law, your word keeps us clean, guides us as the light. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to stand on your promises. Stand on your word. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Pray there in your seat. Pray at the altar, whatever the need. Standing on the promise, can you jump in the chorus? 223. I think most of them know the words. So just the chorus, 223, if you need the book. But uh, 223, let's just sing that chorus. Standing on the well, let's sing that first verse. If we're gonna, if I'm gonna go ahead and turn all the way there. Um, Standing on the promises of Christ, my King. 